Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm one of your hosts, Rai. And I'm your other host, Chris. And today we have a super special episode. This came to us from a friend of the show. Hi, Rain! This is all her idea. She said she wanted to listen to us talk about Reanimator and From Beyond and ask and you shall receive. So here we fucking go. Yes, we're recording from Miskatonic <laughs> University for our first episode about Lovecraftian horror movies. And this is a, this is a really nice surprise. I mean, obviously, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft is one of the greatest writers of all time. Um, but... <laughs> I did not realize how many film adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft films were out there. Oh, um, yeah. There's and, a ton. Like, and like half of them are all by Stuart Gordon. And it's awesome. He he and uh, Jeffy Combs built an entire career about or on Lovecraft and horror movies. And it's really fantastic. And I'm so glad we're doing this episode today. So I had seen Reanimator a bunch of times before. So that was... It was nice to watch it. I think I had, I think the last time I watched it was maybe two, three years ago. So it was actually kind of nice to resurrect that. Uh, From Beyond, I had never seen before. So I was really excited to watch it. And oh my God, was it a fucking joy. Just from like beginning to end, it was pure joy for me. Anybody who's listened to the show before knows I'm not a fan of body horror. It is not something I enjoy, I like. However, I have now come to the understanding that Lovecraftian body horror I can deal with. Like, I didn't even... I understand why it could be classified as, as body horror, but none of it bothered me in the least. There's something about pairing it with the science fiction of it all, I think... Well, not even that. I just think that there's something about the subject matter, the way this was done, that it didn't bother me in the slightest. I was super surprised in the greatest way possible. Um, It's a little bit of context. I've seen bits and pieces of Reanimator before. So I saw it in full this past week, and I greatly enjoyed it. But I'm going to bury the lead. I loved From Beyond so much more. I figured you would while I was watching it. I was yeah, like, this is going to be Chris's favorite. Oh, of course. Because it, like, <laughs> it had so much body horror that I, that I clearly I wasn't expecting. But it was such a joy. And my, my favorite horror movie, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, it does have elements of Lovecraft. And it, the greatest parts of those movies are all these crazy, horrific monster transformations out of like human body parts and stuff i felt like there was so much more of that in this film which is which is a shock the the production team on this movie just went hog wild there was there were so many different types of eldritch bees like coming out of coming out of like stomachs and like two faces growing out of a body and they're fighting over the same body and tear each other apart and and that and felt it, it, it was just very... so cool i loved it and i that's why i i think just i think it was i'm clearly biased but i i think each film is great i think they're great uh lovecraft adaptations 
But I think personally, it has to go with Fembriand just just <laughs> from the body horror aspect alone. I think that there were definitely parts of From Beyond where I got a um, a very uh, dead alive feel to that. It's a Peter Jackson movie before he did Lord of the Rings. He did this really gross horror movie. And there are parts of From Beyond that was reminiscent of that for me. So that was enjoyable. I will say that watching Reanimator again after having seen it, or having not having seen it in so long, there is something about that intro music that, man, it just, it, it, it really sets the tone for the movie. And it's very purposefully done as a sort of homage to Psycho. But there's something about when you hear that music, you know what you're, you know what you're watching. I thought the opening title sequence was super trippy. Like it, it was had, like, so these... trippy. It was so good. Yeah, like the, all these like technicolored neon. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like like pseudo collages of like just various shapes and images of the human anatomy. Um, and then like that, that score, like it just made for like a really oh. intriguing but like unsettling experience. And I liked it. It was great. Yeah. I read um, an article from AV Film talking about Reanimator, and there is uh, a, a quote from this article that I really think sort of magnifies everything about how I felt about Reanimator. And it says, this, this one simply amps up the horror and lets the comedy take care of itself. So for those of you that don't know, Reanimator and From Beyond are like splatter comedies they're funny and they're gory and they really are humorous but not in a in a parody way when you watch reanimator it's very like dry sarcastic like deadpan delivery and that's where it's funny or um i think i think one of my favorite lines was (laughs) When he was asking about his dead cat, he's like, well, what did you want me to do? Leave a cat, leave a note that says dead cat, details later. And it's just lines like that where you really get the comedy aspect of it. And I think it really makes the movie. Reanimator came from a conversation that Stuart Gordon was having with his buddies And they were complaining about how there are a lot of vampire and Dracula movies out in the world, but there wasn't enough surrounding the world of Frankenstein. So this was their response. And And the original reanimator, or I'm sorry, the original short story, Herbert West reanimator, was in itself a parody of the Frankenstein story. So there's just, there's so much about reanimator that is. A classic, I think it really does hold up well, especially if you've seen it before and it's been a minute, go back and revisit it. And then if you're looking for something along the same lines with something you haven't seen before in sci-fi comedy horror, you gotta check out From Beyond. There is something about 80s horror that just gets me all giddy and happy. <laughs> and and maybe it's the gratuitous amounts of blood and violence and maybe in this case it's it's the comedy. Well, fun fact about Reanimator, they used 24 gallons of blood uh, yes! in the movie and which was like 
Uh, Stuart mentioned this, this is the most amount of blood I've ever used ever in my life. Like, the film I did before this only had, like, two gallons of blood. More blood. All of the blood. So, was this, this was your first time seeing it all the way through? Yes, yes. Um, the bits and pieces I've seen, um, they're, they're mostly shots of, like, of Herbert, oh, I'm sorry, ugh, of Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West and... I just loved how he, he just made an entire career uh, out of Love, Crash, and Horror based on this film. I, I believe this was his first film. And he has this, especially in this film, he has this super creepy, unsettling uh, gaze, this gay, like, he could just stare at the camera and you could just feel, like... Completely unsettled and creeped exactly. out by his face. Yeah, it was just pitch perfect, and so there were just like mostly random clips about that. But this is my first time watching full. And what did you uh, think? I was I was pretty surprised at how like like gore doesn't bother me. Like I loved all like the, you like body horror. Gore can't yes. bother you that much. What what surprised me or what? Maybe pause and be like, "Oh, it's it's going there." Are they? No, they did it. Uh, that w- w- is like the very infamous scene where um, Megan oh, with Barbara Crampton. To- oh yeah, yeah, and oh. it's like, uh, oh, yeah. okay. I but was I like- do think that that's what makes From Beyond and Reanimator so successful is the fact that they intertwine these stories and they have creative makeup, creative creatures. But they're intertwining all of this with this disgusting, like, like disgustingly delightful grossness of humanity. I mean, both of these films really encapsulate the most disturbing nature of experimental science. And I think that's where it differs from torture porn or pure gore or something like the Poughkeepsie tapes, which was gore, but you did not enjoy that. So there are definitely elements to all of this that just... I uh, just felt that uh, one super infamous scene. You know what I'm talking about. I felt like I yeah. didn't need to see that. Like, I... And neither, neither did the wife of the doc... Uh, of the, the wife of the actor who played the doctor... Oh, what's his name? Um, That was Dr. Carl Hill, played by David Gale. Yeah. That one scene... It's heavily implied it caused a divorce from his wife. Oh yeah, the whole the whole it's movie like, because oh, of how his is... character treats the daughter of the dean. He he got into some serious marital issues with that. Do I do I really think that they? I mean, I don't know. We can't speak to their marital issues, but yes, the end result of all of that was they got a divorce. During one of the screenings, she got up, the wife supposedly got up and said, how could you, and like left the theater. And she didn't come, she, did, she, she probably never came back. Well, she, uh, at least uh, uh, that evening, she never returned home. It was like, uh. Yeah, uh, so, okay. I mean, uh, they could have been having issues that we don't know about, but we do know that I, they were apparently fine before David Gale did this movie, and then afterwards they got a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it there is a scene in it that is particularly uh triggering and 
somewhat unnecessary, but not if you if you know the story of Frankenstein, I get why they left it in and I understand the inclusion of that. So I'm not mad at it, but this was definitely a modern comedic retelling of Frankenstein in a very, very true and real form. And I coming at it for, coming at it in the 80s, I cannot tell you how much I fucking appreciate it. Now, there were two sequels of the Reanimator after that. There was Reanimator in 1985. There was Bride of Reanimator in 1990, and Beyond Reanimator in 2003. I have not seen those two, and I want to do a separate episode on yeah, both those movies. Well, from the research, or I guess from from interviews and other research and trivia, this film was loosely based on the first two chapters or segments of the original short story. Um, the short story is divided up to five different parts. Mm-hmm. And the following films take elements from those uh, segments. And then Beyond Reanimator is like, it's wholly a, a, a giant departure from original lovecraft it's more of uh stuart gordon's vision altogether than uh than than inspiration by lovecraft so um but yeah i i haven't seen any of those other films as uh, either but i would love to do another franchise episode oh (laughs) oh my god this is so funny uh i'm just i'm reading the wiki right now the character of Herbert West starred in a number of comic book adaptations by different companies. One of them is by my company. <laughs> oh it's my god! The Chronicles of Doctor Herbert West. That is awesome. Guy. You like, oh, I you should to- talk to your boss and find out if there's a way for you to get your hands on it or something. I will literally go back. I'll I'll go to the back to our archives and be like, hey, I'm looking for this comic. Can I read it? <laughs> Can I have it? I don't care if I have to sit and read it with gloves on. <laughs> Just please let me read this. That's pretty awesome. Well, I'm wow. I know I'm gonna Google this right now. Okay. That's so. So funny. a quick one sentence summary of Reanimator for those of you who still aren't really quite getting what it's about or you've never heard of it is after an odd. <laughs> New medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. That was the most spoiler-free, like, synopsis of a movie I think (laughs) I've ever heard. And an odd new medical student, he's absolutely odd. But again, I think that that is all the beauty of Jeffrey Combs and just who he is as an actor. He's such a creep. I love him. I love it. He's so good. Yeah, one of the things I, I was amusing about right now is, you know, all this this entire movie could have been non-existent if the police actually did their job. And they didn't do their job this entire film. Um, there's just oh, been yeah. just murder after murder after murder and tons of evidence. And the cops are like, well, we didn't see anything here. His story checks out. We saw nothing. We saw nothing. I'm looking at Jeffrey Combs's IMDb page. And he hasn't really done too many like horror 
things after that. He was in a movie called Would You Rather from 2012, which I have seen. I actually really liked it. I was surprised at how much I liked it. I think you would because, you know, body horror-ness mm-hmm. is involved. So I think you would enjoy that. Um, I mean, a lot of his films fall under the Lovecraft label, but he's done... I think he's done quite a handful. He's done a... Oh, no, he's done a lot, but I'm saying in terms of the horror community. Like, he did Return to House on Haunted Hill in 2007. Uh, I still know what you did last summer. Masters uh, of Horror in 2007. He played Edgar Allan Poe in a TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fear.com? Wait a minute. He was in Fear.com? Yeah, he plays Detective Sykes. What? Mm-hmm. I remember Fear.com. That is a good throwback. We should add that to the list. Yes. And then he was in the original House on Haunted Hill from 1999. Okay, so we're doing House on Haunted Hill, clearly. We need more Jeffrey Combs in our lives. He's He's in a movie from 2007 called The Wizard of Gore. The Wizard of Gore. Why does that sound familiar? I'm talking... I think... Oh, that's why it sounds familiar. The Wizard of Gore is a movie from 1970. That I've seen. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the other one. I don't think I don't think it's uh, related to the 1970 version. Yeah, this guy has done so much. He's had quite the career. Um, he's also made a career in in Star Trek and as a voice actor in a lot of DC animated universe stuff, uh, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. I just, there's there's a lot of, so, in case nobody can tell, this has turned into a giant love letter to Jeffrey Combs. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> well, he is in, so, full disclosure, for those of you who haven't seen either one of these, he is in both movies. He plays Herbert West in Reanimator, and he, I can't remember his name now. Where? Oh, uh, so, Till, Hill, oh my god. Yes, that. Crawford Tillinghass. And then Barbara Crampton, she plays Megan and Reanimator, and she returns as Dr. Catherine McMichaels. I enjoyed seeing her in that role. I would designate her to be a screen queen, maybe not in the same respect as uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, but she does... She does all of her own screaming. That's not a stunt. That's all her. And she's quite remarkable to watch as well. Fun fact that her dominatrix suit she wore and from Brian, she sold it in a yard sale. Yes. Well, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> I liked, I, I'd be curious to pick the brains of the people involved in all of this because I haven't read from Beyond a Reanimator from Lovecraft. So I'd be curious how the movie interpreted the creatures in From Beyond to what Lovecraft described them as. I've read um, Herbert West uh, Reanimator. I have not read uh, from, from Beyond, but what's really surprising about From Beyond is the story itself is extremely short. It's like seven pages. Oh, wow. Um, that is and, a true short story. Yeah. And except for like the near the end of the short story. Well, okay. Well, the the narrative framing 
of the short story and the movie are very, very like one to one. Some of the the big differences. Well, in the story, um, there's this subplot where he, he's creating like this sort of symbiotic relationship. Um, so there is a machine that uh, creates this wave that does stimulate the glands so people or humans can perceive these eldritch creatures from another dimension. Um, and at the same time, the creatures can perceive humans. And here... Uh, okay, well, his house servants are killed and horrifically eaten, and... Yummy people. Yeah, and in the <sighs> end, that becomes a plot point of how uh, Tillingas, uh gets f- framed for the murder, and uh, that's how he gets put away, uh, according to this unnamed narrator. Um, Interesting. But here, it's more of a... I guess it, it's 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 more of like a house on a haunted hit. Or it's like a haunted house story, just framed a lot within a Lovecraftian setting or using this classic motif. So themes of cosmic horror or eldritch beings that are so horrific um, beyond human imagining, it drives people insane. From Beyond, I feel like really really encapsulates like the the main overarching themes uh, that you always see in Lovecraftian work um like for example like uh for- forbidden knowledge or the significance of the human condition is so minute and small and there's like there's like this dark hidden knowledge that dwarfs all of us and people who encounter it get mad like so tilling gassed he just he gets consumed by it. So does um, the doctor. Uh, and then on Pretorius. the other hand, you got uh, what's his name? Pendant. Pen, oh god. Uh, Pretorius. Pretorius. That's right. Pretorius. Yeah. He becomes like obsessed with it and becomes like he basically becomes like a cultist and then he becomes like a pseudo god himself. I, I I dig it. I feel like I feel like from beyond really captures the spirit of Lovecraft. I've, and I feel like Reanimator uses as a stepping board because I feel with Reanimator, it utilizes Lovecraftian Lovecraft's um, uh, story beats and pushes it towards like deadpan humor and pure schlock. Hmm. Uh, that's what I think. I don't know. That's. I found something you said really interesting just now, though. You said that one of the tropes for, at the very least, Lovecraftian horror was this forbidden knowledge or just all all consuming or all knowing knowledge. And Pretorius's character for me was very very reflective and reminiscent of Hellraiser, which sort of has the same vibe going on. And I don't know if you've seen Hellraiser, but I was curious if you I've had seen the original same thought. Hellraiser. I haven't seen yeah. any of the sequels. Um, I've only seen the first two. Mm-hmm. But there definitely there was a new one that came out either earlier this year in 2018 on Netflix. So I I definitely want to explore that franchise. But if we ever, I was if we ever do a Hellraiser episode, uh, I have a friend that I made through work. Uh, his name is Ben Mieris. Uh, he's hi Ben. Hi Ben. Uh, well, he used to be the main editor and main writer for the Hellraiser comics. 
Um, I oh my god! What, I don't remember how long ago the comics have ended, but he was very integral with that project. Um, and he's like a huge fan of horror as well. And okay, well, uh, let's get him on here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if you made the same correlation between at least Pretorius's character and something like Hellraiser. Because I feel like everything in in 80s horror sort of borrows and collects from each other. Because you sort of see this, this, this invisible like string that sort of goes through all of them in some weird way. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely see the connection, uh, especially with uh, Dr. Pretorius's character. Like... He's not just obsessed with, with like knowledge and power and let me forget, like forbidden knowledge or just extra dimensional insight. But he's also someone who like the Cenobites. You know they they're obsessed with carnal pleasures. Um, yeah, things he, that are he's, considered he's into, to be taboo. He, yeah, and he's also into like SMM, and he's uh, he's he's about. Pain. Uh, I get yeah about pain or uh, uh, it, it's all part of the experience, but he he wants like something that's beyond that's even further than beyond. Um, so I I definitely I, th- I think that's a totally apt uh, uh, comparison. Yeah, there were just things surrounding all of it where I was just like, huh, okay, I I can get it, I get it. I think all in all, this both of these films really just sort of envelop sci-fi 80s horror or just 80s horror in general i feel like there's so much to pick from from the entirety of the 80s that there's something for everybody so just a quick synopsis of what from beyond is about now from beyond came out about a year after um reanimator so we're looking about a year difference almost to the day i think reanimator came out on Reanimator came out on the 18th of October and from in 1985, and From Beyond came out on the 24th of October in 1986, so very, very close to one another. So the synopsis for this is, a group of scientists have developed the Resonator, a machine which allows whoever is within range to see beyond normal perceptible reality. But when the experiment succeeds, they are immediately attacked by terrible life forms. And the tagline for this movie is humans are such easy prey. It's true. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I'm looking at the poster. The poster is fucking creepy. Oh, at least Reanimator has that like, I don't know. Reanimator has that very like whole Frankenstein vibe. Like he's holding the serum with the head in front of him. But it, I feel like each one of their posters sort of give you the tone of the movie just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. So reanimator comes they're both comedic in their own way but reanimator is definitely more splatter comedy than from beyond from beyond definitely comes from a very disturbing place which is fine and i think that both of their posters are very very like reminiscent of that like they definitely reflect that which i think is awesome and probably intentional it's definitely intentional (laughs) and i want to frame on my wall it should be it should be shiny it'll be it'll be it'll be treasured which one? Both of them. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Ryan, I'm curious. There's a lot of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft short stories that have been directly uh, adapted into films. So, Stuart Gordon himself has done 
a ton of these. So you have Dagon, you have Call of Cthulhu, you have uh, yeah. So the, the a lot of uh, so I'm not talking about like films that have love crashing elements. I'm talking about like direct pure Lovecraft adaptations. Or, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, there's been a, quite a handful of those. Two versions of Cthulhu, one in 2000 and 2007, uh, the Dunwich Horror. So I'm curious, like, have you watched any of these other types of films? And it's been quite a while since, like, a, a direct adaptation has happened. I feel like the last one happened, like, early 2000s. So I'm curious what H.P. Lovecraft's short story or novella of his that you would love to see adapted into a new film. Call of Cthulhu holds a special place in my heart because I've always wanted a baby one as a pet. And there was a Lovecraft story that I read a long time ago. I think it was called The Rats in the Wall or The Noise in the Wall or something like that. Mm. And it was just something so simple as just noises behind a wall. And it scared the shit out of me. And <laughs> I think it was because of the simplicity of it. Because the human mind is so susceptible to things that when you... I, I think the, the one of the scariest things that could ever occur to me if I'm ever home alone is I know I'm home alone, everything is quiet, and if I hear whispering, that would scare the shit out of me because I know I'm home alone. There could be any number of explanations why you would think you would hear whispering when you're home alone, but the human mind always finds a way to create situations or think the worst of a situation. So because of all of that, I would love to see that story be brought to life in any, whether it's a short or a film or a TV, whatever it is. I would love to see it again because it's just something so simple. And I think sometimes that it's just the the simpler things when it comes to horror that really have the power to terrify people. Yes. I like, love that. Like, truly, I really do. So that, for me, I think... I mean, it would probably send me running for the hills, but I, I would love to see that be brought to life in, in any sort of capacity. What about you? Um... Okay, so... Oh, that Stuart... means he's got a list. He said, okay, so no, no, he has no, a no. list. I, it's, it's, it's only one. So it's short. So okay. Stuart Gordon, in 2001, he directed Dagon, mm-hmm. but it wasn't actually a direct adaptation of the original short story. It's a much closer adaptation, albeit it's still a loose adaptation, but it, it's more it's more geared towards the shadow over its mouth. The shadow over its mouth and Dagon both deal with antiquarian underwater uh, civilizations and creatures. Uh, but Dagon holds a special place in my heart. It's like one of the first H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories I've ever read, and it's uh, and it's it's had a pr- profound effect on me um best kind of stories yeah it's like so it's if this was adapted into film i would think it would have to be like a short film maybe even even like like a short 10 to 15 film that you might see a fan a fan make on youtube because the story is like very simple in terms of structure it's about 
a uh, a man fantasy uh, who's addicted to morphine, who's recounting a traumatic experience during or during World War One. Uh, he escapes onto a lifeboat after being captured at sea. Uh, he finds himself stranded, and suddenly his ship is beached on this giant, slimy, weird landscape that that rises out of the water. It's filled with these impossible landscapes and structures and cyclopean monoliths and structures and uh and there's a, a this ancient civilization that he uncovers and he's driven mad up because of it so i think it would be i i would i would love it to be structured like a mostly solo movie like in the same vein like castaway you just focus on one person and like the slow descent to madness and it's gonna be it's like a character piece i would love to see that that actually sounds really fucking cool. I would watch that. Yeah. So you were talking about earlier how you read one of the short stories that one of these movies is based on. Yeah, Herbert West, a reanimator. A reanimator. Do you think that the film was a mostly faithful adaptation or do you think it was a loose but worthy adaptation or do you think... It was just a very loose adaptation that is completely separate from the short story, but great nonetheless. I haven't seen any of the other reanimated movies, so just judging from this first one, mm-hmm. um, well, the basic plot beats match pretty well with the original story. Like like I said before, the story is it's a it's split into like five uh five no i'm sorry like six different um vignettes so the first one the first chapter or the first volume is called from the dark and it involves the unnamed narrator who's also a medical student and his first interactions with herbert west and his theories they adapted it in a different setting because uh the plot of the short story is set in their time so the 1920s and the movie sets it in like a somewhat modern day chicago but the one scene where they break into the hospital morgue for the first time to test the serum on a on a corpse and it goes mad the that roughly fits the the main conflict of the first volume and then they also do uh with the subplot with Megan's dad it pr- it fits up pretty well with the the second volume like the plague demon uh in that with their various progressive states of experimentation they do create reanimated corpses that are somewhat less feral and they so sh- so they show signs of intelligence and then by the time you get to the third uh short story this is a story that's altogether not referenced or not touched upon in the movie uh, they might have done it in the other sequels and we'll we'll see to that 
this volume is called Six Shots by Midnight, where they find though they 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 recently acquire the body of a a boxer who recently died from a street fight, and they reanimate it. That seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, well, one they reanimate it, but they they don't think the process worked, so they dump the body. And oh then, my god! And then several days. That's later... That's like thinking you killed someone and leaving the body, and then they get up and walk away because they're fine. Idiots. Yeah, yeah idiots. And then later they they um they the city is in a a state of panic. Start or there's uh, there's like children go missing. It's like oh shit. Well. Yeah, so okay. yeah, I'm really curious to see um, the future, or I'm sorry, the sequels, because I want to see how how much they stick to the original story. Obviously, with Beyond Reanimator, director himself admits, like, yeah, this is wildly this moves away a lot from the original story, but at least for this film, the first two stories, like, they take a lot of inspiration, plot beats. And they, they do modernize it, and they do switch around a lot of stuff to uh, to keep it as one uh, coherent story as opposed to, like, two different vignettes. But I think it's still a pretty faithful adaptation. I think the spirit of the original stories are definitely there. I don't always think that modernizing horror is such a bad thing. Sometimes I think it's not a detriment, but a plus. However... If tomorrow someone turned around and said, we're remaking Reanimator, what would you say? I'm conflicted because, I mean, depending on who the director is or, like, what actors and actresses they cast, like, you could have, like, a fresh new vision. You can make it, you can, like, give new life or give, like, a wildly different but entertaining and amazing adaptation on the other hand well i guess i get though my only caveat uh, this comes to no surprise if it's going to be remade like please keep practical effects i don't want any shitty cgi um for this film like i i thought this film was so impressive with how many practical effects there were I don't think you can never have enough Lovecraft. And I think it's been a while since we had a direct Lovecraft adaptation anyway. So, you know, but I think- do you think that there is a director out there who could remake a Lovecraftian horror movie like this that would be uh, faithful and accepting of the original source material? Of this film? Or of. Reanimator, reanimator, or well, just for for the purposes of this episode, reanimator, but we can also broaden it to say in general. Um. Okay. Um. In terms of the latter, I don't. I don't think he, it, it ever came out. But I was pretty sure Guillermo del Toro was supposed to make like a Mountains of Madness movie, but it oh never happened. Oh my god. Okay. Wait. 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 Here's why I'm saying. Oh my god. Because while I was listening to you talk while I was formulating this question in my brain, I was sitting here saying to myself, I know I'm going to have to answer this question, so I'm going to think of an answer before I ask Chris. And the reason why I say, oh my God, is because Guillermo del Toro popped into my head as well. My only problem with del Toro is he has a tendency to romanticize things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which when it comes to the Lovecraftian horror, I don't think it works. Mm-hmm. You're I supposed do, to be like revolted or disgusted. It's supposed or, to be disgusting, you, not it's supposed like to, you're supposed to be unsettled and be like exactly. And, and I don't Tour's, know if he he's can very do much that. like the Beauty and the Beast archetype. Like yes. oh yes, a lady falls in love with a fish monster and it wins an Academy Award. <laughs> right, like this isn't this is not that. I will say that I, as a fan, I would have two requirements for the remaking of this particular movie, which would be Jeffrey Combs has to come back and be David Gale. Because he's older and practical effects. Because I would need Jeffrey Combs to like make an appearance in a remake of Reanimator, whether he's oh, a yeah, corpse or if he's the older creepy doctor, which I think would be really fucking he interesting. Was, he should be the older creepy doctor. He should be David perfect. Gale. I feel like if we're gonna do this again, which not that I've heard anything about it, but I while while watching this, they just remade Suspiria last year. I they're remaking Child's Play quite unnecessarily. I would not be shocked if things like Reanimator and Phantasm, they already did another Hellraiser movie. They've remade Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're just things that I feel like will or could come down the pipeline. And I was just, I was curious. Oh, well, we don't have to wait because I just looked it up. Oh, no. So this is from bloodydisgusting.com. The title... Well, this was published uh, last May. Uh, so I love May Bloody 4th. Disgusting, but don't make me hate them, please. Okay. Well, <laughs> here, here's the title. Quote, a brand new Italian Herbert West reanimator feature oh, film. Oh, yes. Just hit I heard about this. Okay. Well, no, I'm not talking about that. Like, okay. I've said this before. Foreign horror, to me, in a lot of aspects, is superior to American horror. I guess in all aspects except maybe sci-fi horror um, or anything Cronenberg-esque. But the fact that an Italian filmmaker decided to like do their own version of Reanimator, I'm not mad at that. I'm mad when we take a, a very good like Korean or Swedish horror movie and remake it and butcher the whole fucking thing. That's where yeah. I get mad. So that doesn't piss me off. That is actually awesome. I kind of want to find it, watch it, and make a blog post about it. Now that we should we've do done it. <laughs> but yeah, to answer your original question, and I'm honestly blanking on a director right now. I mean, I mean, we could always go to our fan favorites. We get James Wan to to do it. Um, I just feel like they each have their own specialty. Like I feel like if if Guillermo del Toro directed this, Barbara Crampton's character would end up falling in love with the severed head, which doesn't oh, work. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll elope with each other or something. Exactly, and if James Wan does it, there's going to be another uh, psychological element to it that I think would just be unnecessary. Mm. So I'm trying to think of which director could truly do this justice. Um, I guess if you want to preserve like the intentional or unintentional humor and like the schlock, you could always do Sam Raimi. Yeah, I don't know if it would be... For me, I don't think it's about preserving the schlock. For me, it's about preserving the source material. And they decided to go in, in a... Although I do think that Jeffrey Combs was a big part of the humor, which I feel like finding an actor that could do a deadpan delivery might not be difficult. But that's that's kind of where my brain goes, is sort of staying true to that in terms of like original source material. I mean, I still think that Guillermo del Toro probably would be a front runner in that respect. 
I want to see how he does with scary stories to tell in the dark because there's no room for romance in any of that. So I feel like if... Or is there? No, no, there isn't. There isn't. But I feel like if that has any sort of amount of success, then he automatically becomes like my person that I would imagine to redo this. Yeah. All right, let's give it to Del Toro. Give it, <laughs> okay. Just give it to Del Toro. Just give it to Hands Del Toro. Okay. Case okay. closed. Okay. Before we close out this episode, I wanted to bring something up that is semi-current as of this recording. So as of this recording, an interesting article came out, I think from AV Film and possibly Entertainment Weekly. Jordan Peele has officially seen Midsommar that is coming out as of three days ago in a month. And I believe it's the same director that did Hereditary, which if you haven't seen Hereditary, do yourself a favor, but don't do what I did, which was watch it like alone in the quiet with headphones on. Because if someone comes up behind you and like needs you for something, you're going to get scared. Just because of the tension that builds in that movie, not because it's scary. So Jordan Peele has called this the most atrociously disturbing imagery he's ever seen. He says it's an ascension to horror. I mean, this is Jordan Peele who that's, brought us that's us. Really, that's a really high bar. That's awesome. I think that's also really unnerving <laughs> for someone who did Get Out and for someone who did Us. I think that that kind of reigning endorsement while humbling and fantastic that scares me a little bit that scares me a little bit it makes me really excited to see it but it scares me a little <laughs> <laughs> july 3rd we'll find out for ourselves yes so that's where that's just keeping up on current appearances in horror mm. there's that so all in all how many syringes are we giving the sum total of these two movies oh, today? Six out of five, because it's because it's Lovecraft, so six out of five can can exist for for each. Yes, for okay. each, because okay. like the other six, the, the, the extra syringe comes from like the extra dimension comes and, from beyond. Yeah, so they're they're trying to break through. <laughs> okay, um, I'll agree with you on that. Like I said, Reanimator. If you've seen it before and it's been a while, go revisit it. I really do think it holds up. I think it's got a great quality schlock aside. It's definitely a movie that I can just turn on if I'm doing something else because I feel like watching it. I mean, the opening theme and score alone, that puts you in the mood for what you're about to watch. And from beyond, I mean, that was a fucking treat and a half. I've never seen it before and I'm so happy I did. I'm also kind of mad that it took me this long. <laughs> I I was just I'm mad because like why that why did never no one ever told me this there was so much body horror in this this is like this is like my jam I need it I want all those creatures in in, in a museum in my house apparently Lovecraftian horror is the secret to Chris and I finding body horror movies hey! to watch where I won't want to die and cringe every step of the way. That's why we should do another episode of Love Crash and Horror. We're going to. Yeah. It's happening. Let's do We're it. We're going to do it. Because clearly I can stomach it, so it's fine. 
Hey. <laughs> and then we can also explore like other medium. I mean, we could we could um we could talk about the books. There's a handful of uh, Lovecraftian inspired video games out there. Uh, actually, uh, Ryan you should definitely check it out. Uh, it's um, I think it's I know what you're gonna say. Right now. Oh, it's not okay. out yet, but it's called the sinking uh, the sinking city. So it's a, a action adventure mystery noir horror game where you it's 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 pseudo open world. Where you play as a t- detective in this super messed up uh, city called Oakmont, where like half of it is submerged, and you just you know you, you you run around and you have to solve mysteries, and you, your vision gets messed up with like with dark sigils and crazy oh, I've heard aquatic of monsters pop out and try to kill you all the time, and it looks really cool. I've and heard of that, yeah. Yeah. This sounds like a game I could play, and you would be sitting next to me watching through semi-closed fingers. Yes, because I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it. All but right. I definitely, I think I've heard of that game before, and yeah, I would absolutely play the shit out of that. Yeah, it's actually supposed to come out later this month. Uh, oh, good. I just June, finished a video game. I need another one. Yes. So okay. there you go. I'm Let's do done. It. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Literally everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook. And you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Don't forget, if you're looking for blog posts written by Chris and I, it is on a separate page. You're going to have to do a little hunting, but it's really not that much. So go check it out. We always want to hear from you guys. And a, a big thank you again to uh, to Rain. For yes, thank this you. Yes, this is so much fun. This is our first time ever doing a listener request episode. Uh, definitely want to do more. Give so us more. If you want to request any other low crash in horror movies or just a topic in general, or you have so, uh, some th- thematic or some themed set of movies you think will be really interesting for us to review uh please contact us at uh at any of our channels or uh, via email even if you want us to like take a movie you hate and rip it apart we will happily do that too this was just so much fun and i can't wait to get back into the reanimator universe because we're going to at some point but next week, we're diving into another universe of horror. And after the Poughkeepsie tapes, I'm a little nervous to have Chris watch no, this movie. No, we, we committed. We committed to it. But we it's committed happening. to it and we're going to do this. I've never seen it. I just know the basic, basic, basic premise. So it should be one hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. Indeed. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, well thank you, everyone, for listening um you know just stock up on those syringes and (laughs) don't turn on the resonator and don't forget stay Stay dreadful dreadful.